welcome to the Neil Haley Show, also simulcasted on your beautiful day in the Gratitude Radio Network. And I'm excited to welcome the program. Today, it's just going to be Pearl Sharenza. Pearl, how are you? I'm excited about our guest today. Hey, I'm doing great. Good to see everybody. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, I'm excited, too. Um, I'm excited to hear Denise's story and all the great things that she's doing. And um, we're missing Jen, but we're carrying on as usual. So let's get going. Absolutely. So I want, I'm excited to welcome the program. Uh, celebrity, entrepreneur, uh, and much, much more photographer. I guess you add that into the uh, to entrepreneurship. Denise Stuff. Denise, thanks for stopping by. Hello. Woo. <laughs> it's hilarious we didn't do this on purpose that both of you guys were in florida if i would have known that especially that close to each other we could have made oh, that isn't that crazy how I know. Did this happened it's crazy that's we wild could we could have definitely hooked up we're literally like tw- uh half hour from each other right now this is so technology so cool though right right yes, but, but i know but we could have been six feet apart but in the same room and sharing the same screen <laughs> Yeah. Yes. And, and definitely remember that, that to be in the same room, but not right next to each other. But here's the funny thing I, I laugh about is just, you never know these types of situations. And soon when the gratitude radio network has its own building. And if Denise was in town, then that would have been perfect. Cause she would have been in the studios and I would have never been in Tampa. I would have been in my great confines of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's fine now, but in November I want to be in Florida. And that's coming soon as we woke up this morning. I think it was a frost day for us. So, Already? Yeah. Okay, no. Yeah. No, look, come, come down, come down. We had to turn our fans off, Neil. <laughs> All right, yes. so I did. Let's... I had the ceiling fan on. It's very annoying to watch a video with that. So Okay. So, see, see you're, I remember you talked about the photography. But let's talk about, did you always want to be an actress? Is that something you wanted to do? Huh. You know, I always loved um, telling stories and making people laugh. So really, the job that I haven't yet done in my life um, is I would like to I would like to just do stand up. Like to be honest, I don't think I've ever said that on a podcast. Um, but if people who follow my stories, um, they follow them because I find the humor in things in life, and that to me is that that's the essence of spirit for me is. Finding, finding the funny and still going on in whatever it is. Um, so I always love telling stories that at the end of it, make people, um, make people laugh and, and feel better. You know, there are people that tell stories because they want you to think and think something different. And, and that's cool. Um, I, I'm a little lighter and I just like someone to maybe just feel a little better about something. Maybe, you know, hate their frizzy hair a little less because I've, I've given them another way to look at it, you know, or maybe not think their parents are so annoying because I've told them some other way to look at it. You know, I literally do videos. I take false eyelashes off on camera because I want women to know, look, women don't wake up looking like this. All those women you see, those influencers, look at the difference. You know, you go from looking, you know, 20 to you take the lashes off like, Oh, she's 48. You know, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> right. I love it. It's so true. And that we were talking earlier before this, we got started about, you know, I work with women and we talk about being your authentic self, you know, and we are, you know, everything you see on the magazines and the TV, they get help They're, You know, they look just like you and I, when you take everything and strip it all back, they look just like you and I. And I think it's, I think it's so important that you share that message. I love that you want to be a stand-up comedian. I think that's so cool. I love that. 
So we're going to put it out there for you right now. We're going Thank to you. For you. <laughs> I'm having a hot flash right as now. As an entrepreneur, Denise, you always yes. have to open yourself up to other things. So talk about like, when did you say to yourself, this is what you wanted to do is act? How old were you? Um, I, I was 15 and my mom was a, a single mom, divorced. You know, this was in the, the early 80s and um, late 70s, early 80s, and, and it was very difficult to be an actress at that young age when your mother had to work three jobs because, you know, they didn't have Uber then and you had to have an adult drive you to appointments. And so um, uh, she would, I would do little weekend classes and she would meet people and I had a few um, appointments, but the, the bummer was she, I couldn't get to the auditions. And, um, and so it wasn't until I was 18 or 17 and got my own car that I was able to do that. Now, living in Los Angeles uh, affords you the opportunity, certainly back then when the entertainment industry was largely just there, to be able to do that. And I mean, nowadays, you can, you can start a, an entertainment career in any town because so many auditions are done, done this way, exactly. you know? And um, so I... I just, I loved, you know, I went, when I graduated high school, um, I got a full scholarship at UCLA and I thought, wow, I don't want to go there for acting because I thought that's a little bit to me. I just thought it was a waste of a full scholarship because I could take acting classes from super professionals anywhere in Los Angeles. Right. So I thought I'm going to do something noble. I'm going to, um, it was engineering. I went into engineering because I like math. I like figuring out stuff. Mm -hmm. So I went into the engineering program. And after the second trimester, I realized, oh, these fellow classmates, they didn't get my jokes. <laughs> you know, like I, I spoke too fast. I always found like humor, you know, maybe off color humor in, you know, a formula. There was just, there was so much humor to the seriousness of these engineering classes and they didn't get me. And, and it, was at, it was the end of that first year at UCLA where I thought, I'm not still sure what I want to end up on college-wise, but I know that whatever I do for a living, I want to be around people that, that laugh at my jokes and get me. And so I, I um, auditioned for NYU. I went to New York University. Oh. And um, you know they, they tour around. And, um, and my grades were good enough. My mother was poor enough. It's very crazy how you learn these things later, you know, how to get into such an expensive college, um, you know, and, and I'm saying that because when my daughter wanted to go a couple of years ago, I'm like, wow, we weren't quite broke enough and her grades weren't quite A plus enough, so she couldn't go. Um, but in my case, my grades were good enough. My mom was a single mom and I went to NYU and I studied um, photography and directing and stage design and those were my people. Um, and then I went back to LA and then just took everything I learned in New York and because I loved cameras, you know, and I wasn't so much thinking I was into, interested in theater. So went back to LA and, and started, started working. I would assist with photographers. That was my waitressing gig. Um, do a little hair and makeup. I was 19, 20, 21 years old. And I'd go to an audition and then go do makeup with a photographer and just sort of self-taught myself. You know, and truly actors were, are, are, have always been entrepreneurs because you never know when your next paycheck is. 
every time you book a job or almost book a job, you've got to promote it. Like I was doing postcards to say, hey, I just got signed with this agent and I'd send them out. Like that was the tweet back then, right? That was the Instagram post back then. So yeah, I kind of got my, my chops in what it takes to hustle um, in a time when I wouldn't say I was hustling for a job. Like back then you wouldn't say you were hustling because it meant something different. Right. <laughs> right? True. See, all right, Denise, you just keep cracking these jokes. We're waiting <laughs> for this uh, to go on Instagram live with a, with a comedy skit. I'm going to okay. call you Great. out for that for sure. Okay, good. So I, so talking about, you know, what led you down the path for acting, I'm sure through those years you've met many people um, that have probably influenced your, in your life and your acting and some, some of your choices you made. Um, who were some of those? Like, who, who would you be able to say is the person that sticks out the most for you? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I, uh, it's, it's makes me seem so, so old. Um, uh, Andy Griffith wow. was a big one. And, um, you know, of course, as a kid, you watch him on, you know, those shows. But I did, I did an episode of Matlock and he had pages and pages of dialogue and he wasn't a spring chicken. And, and all the guest stars on the show would just have a couple of pages and he had everything so memorized. He, he was the producer of the show. He was the star of the show. And he gave a shit about every person on that set from the cameraman to the makeup people. He'd come into the makeup trailer. He brought a juicing machine. Juice man had just hit the world. People weren't juicing back then. Well, Andy Griffith wanted to make sure that his fellow actors were, were healthy. And he did, he said, cabbage and tomatoes. It's good for your skin. (laughs) And this was 1993, and, and he just, he was very playful. And, and any, any question I had, he would say, you know, you just, you just ask me any question that, that you want, you know, and don't, don't, don't feel embarrassed. And, um, and then the other person that always immediately comes to mind is Mark Harmon. And I worked with Mark Harmon on a show and it was probably like my fifth episode, but I get very excited every time I'm on a set and people think that it's my first job, which was, was an interesting, um, uh, thing to find out that that I guess if you're if you've been in it a long time you have a little more of a, you're you're less excited and and it shouldn't be like that right you should you should just always be like oh, I'm on a set and they'd be like oh wow is this your first job and I remembered people asking me that and I'd be like no and they're like, oh well Mark Harmon uh, saw me walking around the set and I just love how things are fake but they look real right. So um, it was a TV show uh, called Reasonable Doubts, and it was, um, it was just before he did NCIS. And I was looking at something, and he came over, and he said, um, uh, I, I asked a question, and he said, oh, is this your first job? And I thought, I'm going to say yes, because I found that people feel extra indebted to help someone when it's their first job, Right. So I said, yeah. And he's like, well, okay. And he just took me under his wing for that entire, it was like a, a three-day shoot. And, you know, if you stand, if you, if you move this way, if you need to move out of your light, keep your feet planted and just lean. And then when they say action, 
boom, you're right, you, you're right in the light. But if you step away, you may not step back in the right place. I'm like, thank you. And, and even in the makeup room before he arrived, um, and again, this was 1994, 95, a lot of people didn't have cell phones. He had a cell phone and we got a call that he was running late because on the 405, somebody broke down and he pulled over and stayed with the woman and made a phone call, you know, to, ha to, to help her. So like just an average person, he was already a superstar, but he was in the time before cell phones and he wanted to help someone who had broke down, you know? So seeing that those, that those kind of celebrities who just care about everyone from the top down, I was like, okay, that's, that's how to live. Now, all you've worked in a lot of very interesting guest starring roles. Your biggest <laughs> jobs are in, are in soaps, but uh, there's some fun guest starring roles you had in your career. I mean, if you look on Wikipedia, I mean, I'm like oh. some of these favorite shows you brought up Matlock, but uh, right. what was your, besides your soap uh, experiences, what was your favorite other project you did? Oh gosh. I mean, you know, um, it's funny. Have you ever heard of a martial arts champion named Don the Dragon Wilson? Yes. So I was his leading lady in one of his uh, martial, uh, no, blood, the Blood Fist series. Really? So I started, in, wow. I started in Blood Fist 5. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, I, uh, and I was his leading lady for that. And the funny thing is, you know, he, he's such a pussycat. And, you know, back then there wasn't so much Google um, and it and it really has been since doing that film that I've gotten to see, you know, as the internet shows you like his his history, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy like could crush me, um, and uh, and j just to still be friends with him and to have him know like every to have him tell me like I'm so sorry that the, the passing of your mother last year, like to have these certain celebrities follow you on social media. Um, and, and have stayed in touch with you has been like really lovely. And, and so Don the Dragon Wilson, that's just, uh, I just always get a kick out of it. I get a little fangirl still that, you know, he thinks the world of me because he gets to see how I take an avocado and smear garlic with it and eat it. And he's the first one to comment, you know. That's great. I think that's cool. Funny. So I'm going to bring us back for, to um, so it's for a quick second because Denise, I re when your name popped up, I was like, okay, I know your face and everything. And since I can remember watching TV, my mom and my grandmother, my granny, watched Days of Our Lives. Okay. And I remember you were on one episode there. Yep. And they I was like, I know that. So, and it's kind of funny because that episode, that whole storyline is coming full circle right now. So I was like, oh, I wonder if she's going to be alive now. <laughs> I know. I know. I've been getting, in fact, I did a, um, I did an Instagram um, post just last week that said, they mentioned my name, my character's name. Does that mean I can get a residual? <laughs> Hashtag asking for a friend. Um, see the funny, I'm finding the funny in it. I love it. Um, but yes, it's been, um, you know, I even, I, I got in touch with through social media. Apparently there, the guy, there was a guy in love with me. I, I just love that. Like, I was just this character that was brought in as a midwife to help deliver a baby. And now they've created this whole other backstory. And that's, that's the magic of soaps, you know, yeah. um, anything can happen. It's like, yes, she went out. You didn't see any blood when she was killed. You just heard the gunshots. So 
Who One knows? never knows. So, so between the two, which, which would you say, what's your, um, what's some of your favorite that you've done between the soaps and the other? What do you get drawn to more? Um, you know, there's, um, it's, it's different how I would think it now. I, I suppose back then I would say the guest star TV roles because there's sort of this intensity and this newness, but, but now I look back and what I, what's so wonderful about the soaps and certainly young and restless, because that was, you know, like well over a year on that is they really become your family. And, and even though, you know, I got super close with, you know, Mark Harmon or, you know, Andy Griffith, it was really only like whatever, two weeks max. But when you're on a show for over a year and it's got that nine to five feel, you know, you check in, you grab the coffee and the donut, you sit in the makeup chair. I mean, you feel like you've got just some regular average job, you know, the makeup artist, she's doing your makeup, you're talking to the hair guy or the person next to you. And, and there's something really relaxing about that because their schedules are not like a soap. It starts at filming at six in the morning and they wrap by like usually six at night. Sometimes if there's a big party scene, it goes longer. Um, whereas like these TV shows, it can, it can just continue and continue. But the soap is written to be filmed in a box, in a studio. Sometimes they do location, very rare. Um, so there's a real civilized comfortableness, you know, and I was able to be there a bit more for my daughter as well when I was on the soap. But I also was continuing my photography career when I was on Young and Restless. And so, you know, I would shoot from like six in the morning to one o'clock. I'd have a client photo shoot at like 2.30. They'd come to my home, open the door and go, wait, did I see you today on my TV? You know, I'm like, yes, you did. Come on in. Come on in. Okay, let me see your clothes. All right, let's get your hair and makeup done. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I love that. I, I went to, a, I'd go to like Supercuts in Studio City in between my filming because when, you know, on a soap opera, you could play one day over a course of six days. Right. right? It's like, John, I have something to tell you. <laughs> Cut to Tuesday. <laughs> this is really going to take a lot out of me. Um, can I have a coffee? I need to tell you something. Cut to Wednesday. <laughs> right? So it can go on. So you have to keep your hair all during the week and your nail, you've got to keep those things looking the same. And then you get your schedule and you're like, oh, I'm off next week, Wednesday and Thursday. Okay, I'm going to get a little trim, you know. So I don't like to spend a lot of time on myself, you know. And um, so I would just go to like a Supercuts and I'd sit in the chair and they'd be like, so what do you do? Oh, I'm an actress. Oh, are, are, would you be, have you, were you ever on anything? I know well, I'm on a show called Young and Restless. And like one for one, they'd be like, and I'm like, what? They're like, what are you doing here? Oh I'm like, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I think you're good, right? I mean, you look cool. You got spiky hair and tattoos and weird piercings. I think you're an artist. You're not going to mess this up, you know? And, um, and, and I'm like, and I'd rather like donate like a couple hundred dollars to my favorite organization than give it, you know, like. You're worth the 25 bucks. Why wouldn't I? You uh, know? So what made you transition to entrepreneurship? You were a photographer. So it was like your own photography business then. So, oh, yeah. 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 And I, I still do that. Absolutely. You had an entrepreneurial mindset. But what kind of brought you that? What, so from the beginning to survive in Hollywood, you probably had to have yeah. that entrepreneurial mindset. That's right. That's mindset. right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
I mean, even like just emotionally, when you're not, when an actor isn't working, they can't just like, well, certainly many years ago to create work, to keep your mind satiated, um, you've got to have a camera person, you've got to have a crew, you've got to have a team. I mean, at least even a musician, um, and this is in no way a dig to, you know, my husband and other musicians in my life, you can pick up a guitar and you can satiate that art, you know? But I'm not going to just look in the mirror and go, <laughs> you know, um, so um, do, you know, cr creating a photography studio out of my garage was like, oh, heaven for me. And then I started to then when digital cameras became amazing video cameras, right. then I started to shoot music videos because actors would always say, because I'd shoot a lot of actors and they're like, if you ever start directing, please, like, I want to work with you. And um, so then I started doing music videos and got some awards on that. And, um, and then I directed a film and it went to Blockbuster, which maybe you remember this place called Blockbuster. Yes, I remember <laughs> Blockbuster. <laughs> and that, that was just a, uh, such a learning experience to have never been to film school. And, um, you know, and being a, uh, even being a woman back, you know, in, tw in what was it, in tw two, 20, year 2000, 2000, 2001. Um, and shooting it on film and then going to a film market and selling it, you know, selling it to a full moon entertainment. And, and I just, what I wanted is I wanted it to get on the shelf. I just really thought, wouldn't this be cool to be on the shelf, the blockbuster and not just, um, not just like at festivals, like festivals are cool, but I felt I owed it to my actors to, to be out there in the world, this little vampire film that I did. So, you know, I got a whole new respect when I would go to blockbuster. I'm like, those films might be crap, but I, uh, there's a, a lot of chutzpah and perseverance and passion behind every film that's sitting on this shelf of what it took, you know? Well, and, and, I, see and that, I, I see that in you. I mean, you come across it, whether you've got such perseverance and I mean, a great, I just love your, your comment. It's just, it's so awesome. And so I think it's in watching you, you also started to the skincare product. So what, how did that all come that. about? Like, you, you, the photographer, I would imagine, like, and your photography, let me ask you this question first. Is it a certain, is it branding? Like, do you do branding for people or just any, what's your favorite photography? And then how did that bridge you into the skincare piece? Um, so, you know, I, I photograph artists, people, um, and, uh, you know, musicians, actors, and, um, you know, of course you do like some family stuff, but that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I really, I really prefer just that single portrait, right? And, um, and I started to find that the women, the people, the clients that really needed my magic um, were women yeah. and specifically like women over 35. And I, cause I, you start to see all the baggage soon as they sit down and I pick up that camera, it's like explosions of, of fear and, and lack of confidence just come out and, and years of maybe feeling like, wow, I always thought I was pretty. And then I saw this picture and I guess I'm not, right? So all that stacks up and then that's what's sitting in front of me. And so my job um, is, it's easy to find good light and have a good camera, but, but where the real art form comes is really making that person forget about all that and just be there in present time in the room and just, just emote, just be lovely. Because I tell them, I'm like, look, Photoshop, can help get rid of a little bit of there's a little dark circle there that maybe you couldn't cover with makeup 
or the 10 pounds that the camera might put on that can all be tweaked. You know, if the collar looks weird or when you sit a certain way, you get a little fold, we can clean all that up. But what Photoshop can't clean up is that comfortableness in your eye that I don't give a crap. I, I, I'm cool with myself. So that became something I got addicted to having that interchange with primarily my female clients, which then led me to um, skin is so important and not covering up too much of anything like just right. It, it's um, and so there was um, a cream that I had sort of uh, developed a bit with the, with these other women and, um, and I'd been using it personally for a couple of years and I would start to get a lot of compliments on my skin. And, um, and so then I had a lot of friends starting to sell stuff on Amazon, you know, and a lot of entrepreneurs were, you know, I'm, I've got a realtor business, but I'm also selling skincare or, you know, I have a coaching business, but I also sell, you know, um, almond milk bags. <laughs> and so I, uh, I just thought, wow, I, can I make this in a, a larger amount? And so I did. Um, I don't sell it on Amazon. Um, I did for a bit, but um, their warehouses were too hot and too cold. You know, it's very natural. And, um, and women loved it so much. And they were like, well, what's next? What's next? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it was so hard to get the cream, you know, you get it stabilized, get the right packaging, get the name, the box, the VIN code, all the website, the, now you want more. And so that's when, um, after my mother had passed last year, we had this opportunity to come to Florida and be able to actually, from Manhattan, you can't have a warehouse unless you spend millions, um, but to be able to expand that company um, and the timing worked out well because it's it was a little easier to live here than it was in Manhattan just before the world did its thing. All right, well, all worked out for sure. All worked out for you. Yes. yes. Even with the pandemic, it's worked out in the way that you were ready and here you go. So Pearl, now I know you have that gratitude question to ask. Yes. So Denise, what, one of the things we always like to know is the moment of gratitude in your life that, you, that comes to you. No matter, it doesn't have to be career. Just what, what is that moment in life that you can think back and was like, wow, that just gave me such gratitude. Can you share that with us? Oh, wow. The, the first thing I thought of was um, five years ago when friends pitched in for my husband and I to take our first vacation and we went to Sicily where my ancestors are from. And I wound up finding family I never knew I had. And it makes me cry. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's, it, it had both ends. It had, it had friends gathering together to, um, uh, during a time when we you know, weren't going to just upend ourselves and, and go and take this big trip. And they felt we deserved it with everything we do for the community. Um, so that just filled me that, uh, that, that humanity. And then, um, to find family that, um, that I didn't know I had because my family was getting very small, you know, and people started like, you know, I don't, my, I don't have a lot of brothers and sisters. The one brother I had, you know, is no longer with us. Um, the divorced family and, and just so ha finding that, um, was so opposite from my life of Hollywood and red carpets and good skin and flat stomach and shiny hair, like none of that mattered when 
when I was in this tiny town of Sicily and, and somebody called somebody and they drove two and a half hours to come meet me with a box of pictures because they, it was of my grandmother and they were actually third cousins and they drove for two and a half hours. Whereas I feel in these times people might go, you know, um, uh, Facebook friend me. And, you know, if I'm ever in the area, we'll hook up, you know? So, um, yeah, just to, to have found that, uh, that, that family is so tight and it so matters. And even if you've never met them before, it's so immediate. It's something with us Italians. Yes! <laughs> I didn't want to underscore the Italian thing because everyone has that, but, I, but really we have to underscore the Italian thing. <laughs> now, Denise, um, so basically where's the best place we can connect with you and learn more about your work? Where's the best place we can go? Well, you should, there's definitely, you know, Denise Steff um, on Facebook. There's Denise Steff on Instagram and make sure it's with a C like Denise and there's denisestuff.com, my website. I try and keep it all easy. Denise Steff, Instagram, Denise Steff, Facebook. And get the skincare, everything is all available at your website. Yes. And that's in your face skincare.com. If you want to just go right to the skincare in your face skincare.com no parabens no dyes no oh, dimethicones no, no none of the yucky <laughs> stuff everything you could pronounce that that goes on your skin um because you know this world's getting a little a little funky a little toxic so wherever we can take a shortcut of health exactly. um, i try and take advantage of that because you know i still enjoy pizza so i balance things <laughs> out and That's so awesome. the one thing i also wanted to say uh, is that we're calling you out to do a comedy skit on your Instagram live. We're waiting <laughs> on that. And I think that you and Pearl are going to connect sometime this weekend, maybe. Oh, we'll- yeah, we're going to connect this weekend. And I think I think I think we can, we can do a little host, a live co- comedy show. <laughs> yes, yes, let's do something, anything live. Oh, wait, stop this stuff. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I've had kids during Zoom interviews and now a cat. So we'll add, uh, uh, it's interesting, Tom Arnold's uh, little boy jumped in on one of my interviews with Tom and then another actor from uh, something like Star Trek, but it's the one that's the spoof on it. (laughs) His jumped in too. So it's it's funny what can happen during Zoom interviews. So uh, (laughs) that was awesome. Anything else to add, Pearl, before we say goodbye to Denise? I just want one question I didn't get to ask is why the name of the skincare in your face? Where'd you come with that name? Well, I was looking originally for a name that, that had something to do with my Sicilian and Italian heritage because so much of the the ingredients are inspired by that. And I was coming up with something like Mediterranean or Sicilian something. And I had a meeting with a, a young branding professional who's a friend of my daughter's and when I told him those names, he, we were just sitting in this coffee shop in Silver Lake and he's shaking his head. He's like, come on, Denise, those are too, too boring. I mean, you're so in your face. And I said, oh, great. What am I going to call it? In your face cream? And he immediately takes his laptop and he starts typing the logo and he did this whole block thing and he shows it to me. And I called my husband. I said, hey, does anyone own the in your face skincare website? And he goes, yep. I just bought it for 10 bucks. I'm like, okay, it's, I guess that's the name. That's a, that's a great story. It's a great name. 
So it was thanks again for stopping by and I appreciate it. All right, guys, that was the, the Gratitude Radio Network's Your Beautiful Day. Take care. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K-12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensec's enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit Lensec.com. And now back to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Rob Rosselli Show, and I'm excited to welcome the program, Rob Rosselli. Rob, how are you? And, uh, you know, uh, we talked evolution last week. The conversation was out there. We kind of explained why we saw it as you saw it as, again, a theory that cannot be truth, but ultimately there's an underlying reason why they teach evolution. That's exactly right, Neil. And don't forget the website, boxofsunglasses.com. And the most important thing that people get out of this and, and out of these shows as they go on is God's simple salvation plan. Um, you know, as things get more, the world gets more unstable um, and, quote, end times. And again, we're not timing anything as the Bible dictates you not to date anything, but certainly we can recognize the time and the seasons. But anyway, God's simple salvation plan might be the most important thing that people get out of this. Um, and that's posted on the top of the website. And again, that's boxofsunglasses.com. Um, and as you mentioned, just real briefly, last week we did talk evolution and how it contradicts all the major laws of, of science. You know, Newton's laws of motion, the laws of thermodynamics, the law of biogenesis. I mean, the, the, the concept that life can't create itself, which really should just be common sense. I mean, your, your computer in front of you on, on your desk right now or your iPhone or whatever you're listening to can't just randomly and arbitrarily come to life, but yet that's exactly what evolutionists would have us believe. And then they call it settled science. So it, in a nutshell, no pun intended, it, it's, it's could perhaps be the biggest scientific scam in world history. Um, so then what really is evolution? Um, you know, and people may be asking, you know, what about, you know, the Earth is billions of years old and all this sort of thing. And that's not necessarily true. Um, if you look at the, for example, something called the Cambrian explosion, okay, which is basically the way the fossils are laid out throughout the world. The fossil layer is called the Cambrian explosion because fossils and, and, and dead animals appear just in, in layered forms wherever they're found throughout the world and, and, and more indicative of a, of a global uh, catastrophe, like, say, a flood event than any kind of gradual evolution 
Okay, so you have that, and then you have oil pressure in the in the earth. Okay, if the earth was billions of years old, I mean, the pressure that oil, you know, when they strike oil, you know, and it shoots out of the ground, that pressure should have dissipated hundreds of thousands or millions of years ago, and it, that should not be happening if the earth was so old. And there, there's other examples in, of the earth not being billions of years old. Okay, and then of course you have the dinosaurs, um, and it have been reports of dinosaur fossilized dinosaurs being found with you know, red blood cells and, and, and muscle ligaments and this sort of thing, which obviously should not happen if they had millions of years to decay. And that's another interesting fact, you know, how they get rid of the dinosaurs, you know, some kind of catastrophic meteor event struck the earth 65 million years ago and they get rid of the dinosaurs conveniently. But, you know, I'm still wondering if it had such a, a nuclear meteor-like event, you know, how it didn't destroy all life and not just selectively the dinosaurs. So even that doesn't make any sense. So the point is, is that evolution, when you really look at it, ultimately makes no sense as science. Okay, but what what is it really? And I believe you look at the subtitle of Darwin's book on the origin of species. Okay, and the, and the subtitle is The Preservation of the Favored Races and the Struggle for Life. And that sounds pretty racist. And yeah, it, is. it does. It is. Yeah. I, you know, that's a very racist title. And so this is why, you know, evolution became the favorite science of the Communist Party, you know, in the 1800s and also won Adolf Hitler. Okay. And you had this way, you had the survival of the fittest and social Darwinism. And of course, they applied people like the Rockefellers and the Morgans applied social Darwinism to the corporate world. And this is, they were ruthless ruthless um capitalists okay and then that was basically social darwinism what they believed is survival of the fittest and they, they and anybody that knows their history i mean they, these these men were just were ruthless industrialists okay and i get it, capitalism and all that i want to get into that right now but um and they were financiers of adolf hitler okay so getting back to uh you know the preservation of the favored races and the struggle for life. So what what did we see as part of the quote, to prove the quote, science of evolution in this country, okay, and in England, you know, with the Aborigines, okay, they started putting black people in zoos and carnivals as proof of evolution. Okay, now you want to talk about institutional racism, oh, there goodness. it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, there was a, was a guy, I believe he was an Aborigine, um, by the name of Oda Bunga, was put in the Bronx Zoo on display in the Bronx Zoo, a human being in, in this country as proof of evolution, okay? And he ultimately ended up committing suicide. So this is the kind of thing that went on in this country, which is no wonder why Adolf Hitler got many of his ideas on evolution and science and the superiority of the white race. He got it from this country, okay? And who was one of his favorites was a woman by the name of Margaret Sanger and her American Birth Control League, Okay, and Margaret Sanger is, is is quoted as saying, you know, black people are human weeds who need to be eliminated. Okay, and of course she formed something called the American Birth Control League, uh, which today we know is Planned Parenthood. Okay, so in other words, evolution could be the most evil philosophy in world history, and yet it's taught as public schools as settled science, and, and today we hear about institutional racism, and Trump is a racist, and this person's a racist, and meanwhile, the people that brought us the most racist philosophy, and, can, and continue to bring it as, you know, the Planned Parenthood clinics, so you find them mostly in way 
overrepresented in minority communities, okay, black communities to this day. I mean, it's it's ridiculous if you look at the statistics. Um, exactly. And it's, not, it's an operation as we speak, so it's, it's ironic that the people who call, you know, police and, and Trump and, and white Republicans, you know, call institutional racism are the ones that are actually practicing it. So, again, we have one of these ironies out there that's just this is where I call my website boxofsunglasses.com after after John Carpenter's Day Live because it's just it's absolutely ironic okay and I believe ultimately you know with the abortion and, and all this other sort of thing you know and I think we're up to 65 or 70 million abortions in this oh country gosh, at this point yeah. that's why the and, selection uh, this is why this is so important the Supreme Court justice more than the election to get her appointed so that this might be overturned, at least state by state. Well, well, you know, you get into Roe versus Wade, you get into the politics of it and all that, but, you know, that, that's going to be a hard fight. But, you know, again, the, the point of this broadcast is the irony of it all. And really, God God can't be too happy with this nation right now with all these shenanigans, okay, and brought to us courtesy of the liberal Democratic Party. But, again, you know, that, that was the... That was the overall point, you know, and then that's that's evolution, you know, in, in, in six to seven minutes, you know, we're trying to keep these podcasts short, but that's that's basically the synopsis of, of, of where we are. So when you, when you just stop and think about what was just said, you know, you, you really start to wonder, you know, what else, if that's that blatant a lie, what else is a blatant lie? And I think on the next podcast, you know, we should talk about the Federal Reserve System which funds a lot of the so-called education system and the tax exam foundations and all that sort of thing and see how this all ultimately connects together. All right. Well, sound, just, yeah, just as Jesus says, you know, in John chapter 10, we are, we are ultimately all sheep. It's just a matter of what shepherd are we going to follow? Um, but anyway, all right. Cut it there. Okay. That was again, Rob box sunglasses.com for more information. And, Next week, another interesting episode we'll discuss. But, I mean, think about evolution in that point of view. And think about uh, what Rob was bringing up. So, thanks again, Rob, uh, for another good show. Okay. I'll talk to you See you. Bye. God bless. bless. Okay. Uh, That was the Robert Sully Show, guys. Celebrity Slots. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download. Free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show, simulcasted on the Your Beautiful Day here on the Gratitude Radio Network. I'm, I love always kind of having this collaboration. That's the way we're going to grow this to a level of great shows that involve gratitude. People that are happy, no negative news today on the show, and a great story. So I'm excited to welcome to the program my co-hosts, Pearl Sharenza and Jen Ma. Guys, again, another great guest, but finally a male. I'm happy for that. 
Yeah, we've had all women. I know, I, I, right? I was, I was thinking I was on The View, guys. What's going on here? <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. We got, we, we brought it, we got a mail on just for you, Neil, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank my producers for sure. But okay, so I, am I introducing Jen or do you want to introduce our guest? Oh, my goodness. Well, you've worked with them a little bit longer than I have. So I will let you, I'll give you the drum roll. No, the drum roll is the rave welcome independent artist and he has an unbelievable story coming by you're in new york city so you've been quarantined for a while man how are you hi hello to everybody uh i'm doing well thank you for asking um yeah new york it's it's been pretty pretty rough a lot of people as i'm sure you've heard uh in new york have been going through it and it's we've had incredibly uh, bleak moments, especially in our hospitals, but we, we, I believe we did beat the curve and it's, it's getting better, but it, it, I don't know, it looks like it's going back up. So we're just trying to stay positive, trying to stay healthy, taking every precaution and all that. Exactly. All right. So let Jen go with the first question. Hey, Rob. Uh, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask during COVID, I know it's been kind of crazy because if you're creative, it, it can be, the silence can be deafening, mm. but how, how have you and your buddies been able to uh, creatively get through it? Oh, man. Um, well, I could tell you from the beginning, like right when it was announced, or not when it was announced, but it was when it was looking like New York was going to get shut down. Mm -hmm. This was around March. Uh, I was, something about like the anxiety in the air, just kind of was like um, enough to sort of spark a lot of ideas, which is great when you're a writer and you just write. And so I was, I was being very productive in that moment. And then, believe it or not, I got sick with COVID. So um, yeah, that wasn't fun. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad. I did have a very mild version of it, which is good. But even as a, like, my only symptoms were body aches, headaches. Uh, I couldn't really sleep without pain medication. It was that How bad. How did you know that you had it? How did you get it? Oh, you know, oh first of all, when you have it, you 100% know. It's, oh, you it's, know. it's 100%. You will know. Um, because, well, first of all, there was a pandemic on a global no, scale I mean, happening. How do you so. know that it's that versus just... Right, right, right. So, the regular um, flu. The regular flu. Right. At, at first, it just felt, I just felt very uh, zapped of my energy. So mm -hmm. I, I was thinking, oh, maybe I didn't sleep well, or maybe I, I wasn't, I didn't have enough nutrients in me. And then as the day went on, I just felt dizzy. I felt very weak. Uh, I, my back was starting to hurt. Like my muscles were not like, it's similar to like uh, the pain you get when you have like a muscle spasm, but not a spasm. And I was just, I was just not feeling like myself. It felt like I was having a flu. And so I, I just laid down the, the whole day. And the only reason I was able to connect A to B is because we were in a pandemic. So uh, that wasn't any fun. Um, but believe it or not, like I said, despite, it, it was not fun. It wasn't a good time, obviously, but I, I had it light. Like I had other people in my family who got it and they had, they lost their sense of smell. They lost their sense of taste. One of them uh, still is slowly regaining their sense of smell, which they haven't gotten uh, back quite yet. Um, they had nightmares. They had diarrhea. You know, that was a, that was a thing as well. Um, and I, I believe I got it from, from uh, a family member who got it from uh, work. Did you get tested? Did you? I, I didn't get tested because I had it. And then, like, I, when I um, looked into uh, the whole getting tested thing, uh, it basically the – at the time, at the time when I went to uh, get tested, because I'm a musician, we don't really have uh, health insurance. Right. But right. Is what is what it is. You know, you, you choose rock and roll uh, first. Um, <laughs> but when I went, but when I went to um, after I got after I got better, I went to like City MD, and 
they said that um, while the testing is free, the lab work isn't, and that is going to require a lot of uh, uh, fees. And so I, I wasn't I wasn't uh, at a place where I could afford that quite yet. Right, right. Not terrible. And so I mean, like. I, the way I, the way I look at it is it's kind of like Schrodinger's disease you know, or virus you know like you 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 don't think you you must assume that you have it but you also must assume everybody else has it so you don't get it so you're kind of like in this very weird position of not knowing how to interact with people not knowing uh, how to sort of enforce your own personal space and it's just a very interesting time scary but it's it's definitely something I think that the whole world is clearly going through and it it's kind of the one good thing about it, and probably the only good thing about it, is that it, like literally everybody on Earth is going through it all together at the same time. Right, right. How long did it last for you? It was a week of being sick, and then a week of just recovering afterwards. Oh, like the recovery. Oh, yeah, cool. it was. Yeah, it was very light. Thank goodness I didn't have to go to the hospital or anything. Um, knock on wood. It's a good thing about having guitars near you. You always have wood to knock on. Um, <laughs> so I, I was. It was very, very simple. Um, a lot better than uh, other people that I know. Some people had to be hospitalized. I thankfully didn't have to uh, go through that. But I mean, like you could still get reinfected even if you were sick with it once. So it's just about about being being super cautious still. See, that's an interesting thing you say about reinfected, and that's the problem we're dealing with. Is oh, I got it once. I don't think I could get it another time. No, you can get it another time. Yeah. And so you have to be careful. Um, yeah. The so the family members, some of them, did they get tested? That you think uh, they did get tested. Um, I didn't check in with them with it because, like, I believe they got tested a week ago, so I don't think they got the results back. Um, but then, uh, prior to that week, uh, they got tested like after they recovered and then they had the antibodies. Oh, wow, yeah. So, um, I, I it's just so weird because, like, so many different people, and this is the scary part is like because it's new, so many different people are, are being affected by it in different ways. Um, some people are having like uh, blood clotting issues, uh, uh, what's it called uh, scarring on the lungs. Other people, uh, did you hear about that Broadway actor who had yeah. to have his he had to have his leg amputated and then he was put into a coma and then they just had to pull the plug because he wasn't coming back and this was yeah. all COVID related. That was yeah, forty one, forty one, and it was really tragic. Um, it's affecting a lot of people in different ways and it's awful. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's like yeah. There's no rhyme, no reason. You can't keep up with it. It's a new, it's a new thing. Things. Yeah. Don't do that. You know. Yeah. It was, it was very weird. It was very odd. Um, but to answer your question during that time, there was obviously no writing happening, no, uh, right, work happening. happening. No hallucinations going, wait a minute. That's a good, that's a good song. No, not even, not even with the medication, believe it or not, there was nothing happening. There was, uh, it was just, it was just a matter of like recovering, staying healthy, uh, trying to stay alive. Um, <laughs> but then like even, even during the week after being sick where I'm just recovering, I was just in bed, you feel lethargic, and the week after that, where you're starting to slowly get your rhythm, you start to, I started to see kind of the world around me, and then, like, uh, the gravity of the situation hits you even more to the extent of, like, your professional life. You, obviously, we know what, what the extent uh, of the damage is uh, on, a, on a human level, but then, like, when you look at it, how it's affecting the music industry, um, venues are closed, you know, and independent venues that I, I would love going to on a, on a on a weekday or weeknight rather um, to support local music. They're closing. They're probably the ones that are suffering the most, not probably they are the ones that are suffering the most. And so now, now it raises the question, will there be a, first of all, will they be around a year from now, six months from now? 
Um, and if so, when they start opening up, what will what will the music industry look like, especially yeah. on an independent level where, you know, somebody has and now's the greatest time to be an independent musician because you can literally take care of all aspects of the operation, you know, with your by yourself or with a team and, and really sort of spearhead the movement however you want. But it's just weird now that like the sort of um, the world's changed, really. Yeah. So yeah, there's, I, not, there's kind of no rhyme or reason. I have a um, one of my business partners right now, her and her um, her husband's in the hospital with it. Her son has it. And oh part, of what I, part of what I do with Jen is health and wellness. So, you know, we've got them on a regimen. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm going to say that right now. Anybody's listening, but, you know, taking vitamin C, two caps a day, every, I mean, two caps every two hours, vitamin D is helpful, yeah. you know, and even doing some um, uh, aloe vera. It's been really helpful. Yeah. So, we, you know, if you can get that ahead of time, it definitely helps. So, mm. I'm glad mm. you're feeling better. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And that's, see, I think I got it in Houston when I was in Houston in December uh, because it just feels like it was the kind of same type of thing. And the virus was there before, guys. And there's yeah. people that that's the thing. But again, I might have gotten again, and I was just when we were really just quarantining, mm. and it didn't hit me hard. It's it's just hard to really look at these things for sure. Uh, let's kind of now delve into at least you're better, but again, independent artists are going through such problems. Yeah. One of the industries I'm formerly of in the professional wrestling industry, and especially the minor leagues, I stay in touch. When will wrestling shows go on? There's still some, which is crazy in certain areas of the country. They're doing even the pro the big ones are and it's yeah. like bands some bands are performing in other parts of the country too right? yeah yeah would you uh, do that in new york say okay, oh my I'm goodness um well first of all I, I didn't know you were a wrestling fan so we got to talk that's there's I'm a huge former, stuff i'm a former pro wrestler and, really? and i just uh am in conversations with a professional wrestling organization to be doing a lot of the different things their media and maybe even that's so cool. So. That's so cool. I say that because, like, I, I grew up a wrestling fan, but there's a lot of overlap in the wrestling world and, and the music industry. I completely agree. 100%. Yeah. But um, to answer your question, um, you know, there's this, there's this interesting thing happening right now where I don't know if you've heard, and I don't know if this is a thing that they're going to do in wrestling, which would be kind of an interesting idea, but they're thinking about doing drive-in concerts, kind of like drive-in movies, but it's like a big parking lot, a stage, and people are social distancing by being in their cars. And just for a wrestling show... Uh, Did they? Locally, yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know, uh, I know one person off the top of my head who's um, doing a drive-in concert, and they're doing it in L.A. And honestly, like, I'm not gonna tell anybody how to, you know, express their music and, and perform and all that, but like, I don't think that's for me. I don't think I can play in front of a parking lot of people in cars. That's just like, I don't know. It's there's something there's something really magical when um, you're in an enclosed space with a group of people because the audience is just as much a part of the show mm -hmm. as the, the musicians. Same with wrestling. They, they feed off the, the energy of the crowd. Um, like now, right now with what the WWE is doing with like a closed off set and yeah. just having like random stand-ins, it's, it's a good solution for now. It certainly made them change their programming and it kind of, kind of works for right now, but it's it, not really a long-term model. And the same can be said for music. Like you need the audience, obviously from a financial perspective, of course, but definitely without question from a, a artistic perspective you need that energy and you feed off of it and i can't really picture myself being able to perform uh at the best of my ability um in an outdoor parking lot yeah. where where instead of applause you kind of get honks 
That's crazy. And I think about sports when now baseball started with empty yeah. crowd and all these sports they're going to start, especially when I start watching the NBA, when you know the reason why certain NBA teams win is because of how ravenous the fans are. Yeah. And same with, <laughs> same with NFL, same with NHL. Right. Isn't that true? I mean, Jen, think about that. There's no home field, home ice or home field advantage for any sport now. Yeah. It's really no, it's it's, it's, it's completely gone. I was in a restaurant the other night and um, it was a sports bar and it was nice to have all the sports up. But the fact that there's, it's the, the silence is deafening. The silence mm. is so loud, mm. um, you know, for a creative person like me, but it's to not have the applause when you hit a home run. Yeah. Well, there you, right. you heard what they're doing, Jen. They're going to pipe in the crowd. Oh, my oh God. man. Pipe oh, in the man. crowd. How do you do the that? Ambience. Yeah, right. yeah, like, like at the zoo. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Jen. Mog, thank you, Pearl Sharenza, and Jen. You are loved, you are blessed, and you are sacred. Mwah. Have a beautiful day.